so I'm a chart engineer, as said. By the way, all French engineers are master degrees that have to be in chartered. So we are all chartered, so that's no exception, but I understand it's different. I started as uh, what was at the time the forefront of uh, data, which is business intelligence. Then uh, I had an idea. Everybody told me it will never work, and even if it works, nobody cares. I made a startup out of it, and this startup worked for some years doing customer analytics. Uh, I learned a lot about this idea. It had a name later on, it was called Big Data. Uh, actually, distributing systems, not having everything in one machine bigger and bigger, but having it in many smaller machines. Technically speaking, that's what I had as an idea. For this uh, startup, I went to the MIT uh, uh, Business School to learn more about what can we do with this technology. And then I learned also at uh, Stanford Ignite uh, Global Business School. <coughs> and uh, I saw that data is fine. We need to, to learn more about how we can do with it. So I did a certificate in artificial intelligence introduction to artificial intelligence. No hard question on this, please, at the end, <laughs> uh, in, uh, in Germany. Uh, thank you, Patricia, for inviting me. Uh, yes, it's three colors, mainly, in this slide. That's, that's what it is. Uh, I can have a very strong accent if you want one. <laughs> I tend not to have such a grand, strong accent, but I can do it if that's okay with you. <laughs> um, I hate the expression, pardon my French. Um, <laughs> so what Patricia is doing is really bringing a piece of French culture here, French knowledge, French education, a French something. That whatever you'll be interested in, I really suggest you go, it's on Mill Road, Hills Road, sorry, Hills Road, that's where I live. Uh, it's on Hills Road, and, uh, and she, she's really happy to receive all of them in one go, or by, or by chunk of, of ten. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you're really welcome. Uh, so, as I said, I'm a French, I'm French engineer, it's a master's degree. I'm living systems. I'm not a mechanical engineer or software engineer or whatever. I'm a, what we call, generic engineer. I study systems. That's what I do. At the end, I specialize in one thing called data, but we'll talk about it. Now I'm working at Deloitte. I joined the UK, I'm working at Deloitte. Deloitte is known as an audit firm. Now, if we talk about the reality, it's a consulting firm that happens to do audit. Well, a big audit, but still, the number one job is consulting. Technology consulting, we have what we do here, that's where I work. I do analytics for a living, okay? In analytics, I'm leading the big data team. And uh, uh, my title has changed. I'm not uh, lead engineer or lead architect. I'm CTO of this. Anyway, I'm leading the team there, and I train them on the underlying principles I've discovered, I've learned. So not only on the tools that exist on the market, but also on how you build them, how the sausage is made, and sometimes it's ugly. So there's a lot of services we have here. I'm not going through all of them. Um, just the analytics firm here has been voted as the leading one because we're trying to be at the forefront of uh, what we call, what our, our uh, lead partner for technology 
uh, calls the third space, which is really the middle between not purely business, not, pu not purely technology, but the in-between that brings more value. This is the official disclaimer. This is my opinions. These are not Deloitte opinions. So don't uh, ask them to be held on what I'm going to say. Uh, I have approval for being here and share my experience from them. No worries. Uh, just this, these are my opinions and mine only. Okay? Now, big data. What is this? Sorry. Um, That's metro that some of us see on the, on the train from Cambridge to uh, London or every morning, very early, too early actually. Uh, it's not about uh, John O'Sullivan, it's, it's about these two comments. People here say, what are you talking about these technologies and these data? I've never heard about Amazon Web Service Cloud and Chrome Browser, don't use this stuff. Well, that's just virtual world. That's not my reality. Obviously, I'm going to say, oh, really? Is it? And what Mick and Jane <coughs> maybe didn't realize is that they only see the tip of the iceberg. Obviously, a whole society has moved towards something that is uh, much more digitalized, as everybody has understood already, I think, before to come here. And data is an important building block. What we do with data is thus important. This newspaper that Shane is reading, or Mick is reading, data come from all around the world from reporters in a digital form. They are stored in digital form. They are processed, filtered, uh, quality as is measured. All of this, it's digital data, it's my world. That's what I work on every day. It's not Gutenberg anymore. It's, it's not, paper is just the product at the end. All the rest is pure data flow, processed by people, created by people, processed by people, and everything is between, is my world, is software. And at the end, the, the image that are printed on there are image that are files or that are processed and printed. All this is uh, something that it seems Mick and Jen didn't realize. So reports, re the redaction, the imagined paper, everything, every day. So and that, um, they didn't realize it, but they're using all the stuff they're not saying they're not using every day. They're just blind about it. They just don't know. So what I'm proposing to, to tell you today, it's a little what's behind. What has changed and the, the bigger trend that has changed behind it and uh, a little bit of uh, how we do it, okay? I'll stay to the level of uh, non-technical people. I have slides in the end for people that really want to know the dirty, the dirty deeds, but it you not. Know, just uh, for going further if you want. Okay, let's investigate a little what's going on. So, all of this, the newspaper in the middle, yes, but also the advertisement, uh, Mick and Jane see every day, transportation, the insurance about your car, 
uh, your telephone, the apps on your telephone, um, the banking app on your telephone, uh, the sales information about what you buy in the day, all this, to me, is matter I can work on, okay? It's data I work on every day. We all leave a lot of traces of what we do every day in the form and shape of data. You know that, right? Yes? Good. <laughs> okay, so let's take oh, transportation. Just imagine, what is the data a car generates when you drive? For, for the one of you that drove here, just imagine. So you left, let's say, Ely. You came from Ely to here. You drove a few miles. Every 500 meters, I can say where you are. That's one piece of data. The speed, the rev in the engine. Uh, I can say many things about it. I can have a sense of how you're driving based on that. That's data that I just generated. Sometime collected if you have uh, um, insurance per mile kind of plan. You can use that. Good or bad, that's not my point yet. We'll come to that. Okay? But if you generate <coughs> this every 500 meters, that means that considering the number of, of kilometers you're going to do per year, yes, I don't do miles, sorry. <laughs> um, Considering the number of kilometers you're going to do per year, that's a massive amount of data. And that's just one car. Just imagine now, an insurer comes to us and say, I have a million cars. I want to insure that with. Now, it's big data. And that's one insurer with one million of cars. That's slightly more cars than this in the UK alone. And that's transportation. I didn't talk about train. I didn't talk about uh, the tube, I didn't talk about planes, I just talked about the cars for one insurer. I didn't talk about the car for uh, your service of the car. I didn't talk about all the other things we could do with the same data or other data. Okay? So there's a lot of things like this that can generate automatically a lot of data. That's called, as long as you, as you, as you connect them to a network and can gather it, it's called the Internet of Things. Now you know what it means if you heard about it before, OK? And that's a big movement for me, because a lot of stuff, yes, people talk about the fridge that is going to connect automatically to the internet and buy you milk when you need it. I don't really care about that one. I care about these, uh, these other things that we can do with data that are generated automatically for us not to have to tell the machine what we need. We, they just have to measure us and see what we can do, they can do with it. Okay, so there's a lot of data generated, but that's one thing, it's the size of it. Big data is also something else. It's generated fast, maybe a little bit at a time, but when you have a little bit at a time generated very fast, normal machines can, can do it. You need to have the same kind of big system that can handle the load of everything going around. Okay, and also there's a third, a third concept behind big data, which is the complexity of the of the data that is sent. If I'm measuring the level of I'm trying to get something very complicated, if I'm measuring the, the level of uh, 
hormones of someone is emitting, of course, there are many hormones, many different levels. That's very complex data. And you can't process it with just simple algorithm on your laptop. It just doesn't work. So the complexity of data is really something that is also behind it. So that's the key, three key principles that were defined as big data originally. But then you say, yeah, fine, that's very technical stuff. What about the quality of it? The quality of the data? Is it true data? Are we doing something based on something relevant? And what's the value of it? Why are you doing this in the first place? Why are you collecting data from the engine of your car? <coughs> are you just a nerd? <laughs> Maybe you are. That's fine for you. Uh, I'm not. Well. <laughs> Ish. So all this is moving towards a place where be, being so much data around, we can have so much software to process them, we're going towards a destination where we can program everything in our society. We can program everything in our economy. That's what Gartner says, this one. If you don't know Gartner, an analyst on technology. That's the biggest quote I have, so I'll let you read it. Um, algorithmic decisions, we'll come to that. I'll touch about uh, what is called data science <coughs> at some point in my presentation. So we've evolved so far in many ways towards one point that is now. I'm not saying it's good or bad, that's not my point. I'm a technologist, I'm not a, a philosopher. I have my thoughts, but I leave uh, ethics to someone else. I just apply ethics to myself. So the programmable economy means a lot of technological evolution. So let's just, as an introduction, I want to just tell you what I think and that's really where I can be challenged. We've evolved in terms of the tools we have so far. We started with tools that are you know, based on the victory of nature. We are horses now. We can do stuff with that. They can do the heavy lifting we were using, we were doing before. Okay, that's great. We can have, on, based on the victory of nature, we can have something better than what we had before. That was our bare hands. Well, then we can look at the way stuff are done in nature and rebuild them. Fine, let's, let's engineer these tools in, uh, based on the observation of nature. And we still do that in some sense. <coughs> and that's not uh, something we are going to um, forget about anytime soon. So observe, do it again, and use it. A hammer. Uh, I like the, the example of the knife, because it's both dangerous and very useful. Um, and that's very similar to the clothes of some animals we've seen. So let's redo something like this, but shaped for the hand of a human so we can use it. Then, I'm in Cambridge University. I had to put that piece here with knowledge. We learn about, <laughs> the, not by observation, but by understanding of the way it's done. And by understanding of the way it's done, we can uh, rebuild something on the same principles but entirely different to what you can see in nature. And, you know, if you think of a Babbage machine, well, that's really based on that. If you think of, of uh, the, the steam era, we understand the principle of steam. We have now a new source of power. It's not horse that just continue doing its own way but with something attached to it. It's 
something entirely different. There is no steam machine in the world except by us. So that's where the knowledge and, uh, is, is very important. And it's still important in understanding the humans and trying to understand the underlying principles and do something with it. What are the key difference between understanding the world and understanding the humans? To me, it's we have memory. We, we can recognize, I can recognize the people I know in the room, for instance. Um, no animals can do that. They can't recognize someone else as much as we can recognize them in the sense that the memory is different. They can't recognize themselves, definitely, even if they can recognize someone else. Okay? So this understanding is really something different. And then beside memory, which is data, you have also a, a big part, which is um, the understanding. And I just specifically don't say computing. Computing is just raw, raw stuff, raw calculation. I care about what you do with it, what is, uh, there are engineers in the room, I know. Uh, we don't, we, we are, our job is to do what is making to do the, the meaning of it. We care about the meaning. We do the technical stuff, but we care about the meaning. So, in the end, uh, that, that's uh, a quote from Bill Gates, uh, if you don't know it. Uh, be nice with nerds, chances are you may be working for one one day. <clears throat> um, that's something I said to the people in, in my company. <laughs> uh, beware of nerds. Um, so, why do I say that? It's because technology experts are taking over an increasing role in the society, an increasing importance in the, in the machinery of society, as this machinery is getting very, very important. If you're in London, you expect to know in which time the next train is coming. How does that come? M data capture, data processing, <coughs> data display, data visualization. That's stuff I do. So, and that's expected. And, and nobody sees it as something crazy complicated. It is. Uh, and that's why I say we care about the result. Okay. Uh, for those interested, there are two main, uh, I was about to forget about that one. Uh, there are two main associations uh, that are deal with how things are done, really at the forefront. They are Association for Computer Machinery and IEEE. What does it stand for, remember me? Institution of Electrical and Electronic Engineers. She said. Yeah, so uh, these associations are working for decades on how you make progress, what we do with all this. Okay. Now, I think you have a, an understanding of um, what I'm trying to achieve on a daily basis with my work. Um, now, how we do this? Um, this is what Mick and Jane see. Nice, right? Any computer somewhere? No. It's perfectly fine. The, the life is normal. Uh, if engineers do their work correctly, that's how it looks like. You can't see them. No interference. 
life is everything else normal. Maybe improved because you have a house here somewhere, but that's not purely natural, but you can't see it. That's good engineering done. Some would say it's creepy. <laughs> I say it's nice because I don't want to have, I, I care about human, I care about talking to you. I don't care about talking to 70 androids in front of me. That's not interesting. I can just program them. So we care about the people. We care about what is human. We, we're trying to extract what we can understand from human, put it back into some software for some things we don't want to do, but we have to do, are done by something else. That's what I see. I see strata of software, data, computation, and all the stuff piled one over the other in order to build the landscape then you see from the top you the user <coughs> that's what I see that's my life and I enjoy it yes believe it or not why do I enjoy it because <coughs> I can make the mountain the size you want me to do I have full power <coughs> about, about this based on what do you expect me to do? Expectation is yours. <coughs> you ask them, ask me, or people like me. You ask me <coughs> to build something that will achieve this goal, no, like everybody else. But then I have in my power a lot of data. And these data are really, really strong because it's, it's like cement. It's really a powder in the beginning, but if you do the correct thing with it, it's, it can hold a very strong weight and a very strong um, power of it. So let's talk about an example of taking the, uh, the landscape example. Honduras. Not a lot of A-level people here would have asked, where is Andras? Uh, Andras had a corruption problem. Uh, people in the <coughs> were uh, paying some, uh, what's the word in English? Bribes. Thank you. Were paying some bribes to um, corrupt the land registry. <coughs> so people were taking over land that were supposed to you, to, be, to, to um, belong to you. How do they do that? Bribe, easy. How do you know a bribe is, has happened? Because your land has disappeared, you're not owner anymore. Because a big part of the land is not on the land registry. Okay, so just people grab the land on the land registry and you, owner or not, doesn't care. He bribed the person before you. How can I solve this? I can. Let's take a technology that is underlying a, a system you may have heard about but never use them. Maybe we use Bitcoin in this room. Nobody, right? You use two, three, three people. Okay. So, sorry for the three of you. I will introduce the technology a little bit. So, Bitcoin is a is a system of currency without a country emitting it. It's emitted by a cluster of system, a cluster of machines working together across the world without any supervision. The only supervision is within the system. So the system is built in a way that you can temper it. Mm, good for bribes. 
it's uh, marked, uh, timestamped, so you can't change it backward. So even if you could tamper it, you couldn't make it the same time as it was because it's in the past. And then on top of it, you can do any transaction. For instance, monetary transaction, like Bitcoin. But Honduras want to use it saying, let's do our land registry on it. So whenever someone is giving the land of someone else to a third party because of a bribe, it's written there. I took bribe and I gave it to someone else. <coughs> and you can change it, and you're exposed automatically as at the moment when you do the illegal stuff. Okay? Very good use of the technology I'm, I'm, I'm working on. I love this. That's perfect. In the UK, by the way, if you ask me to, and that's where ethics come in, if you ask me to uh, build a system where I collect all the data of everything of what we all do, put it in a machine so that, gets, so that someone else can monitor it and understand what are your patterns, understand what you're doing, and maybe investigate that, I'm not very happy about it. What about, and that's a true story, that's, a, uh, uh, that's something I know it's happening in the UK, um, it's about human trafficking. What about I measure everybody that has disappeared? Where did they disappear? When, etc. I can see the pattern of when they disappeared and where they disappeared, and I can also see where and when they reappeared, if they reappeared, and where they died. Alive. Based on that, I can infer their path, and I can put cops in the middle of this path. That's something. I've never seen anybody say, no, we shouldn't do that. Usually people are pretty happy about it. <laughs> so measuring humans is not necessarily bad. It's just it's like a knife. You kill someone, it can be very useful. We want to pre pre prevent knife to be sold. You may want to control the way knives are used, not maybe created at all. We may want to have it. That's a very difficult question. What can we do on top of the land registry? I have data about the soil map, that's the land registry. I can have the tillage. I can, I can know what the planting is, the fertilizer, the pesticide used, and, and what is the yield out of this, and the weather. Oh yeah, there's a lot of data about the weather. I know a company that is storing in, in Denmark. They asked me to come and help them. Uh, they are storing every single bit of weather around the globe for the last 50 years? Yes, if you're wondering, that's more data than you can imagine. That's the biggest database I've ever seen. And I've seen a lot. Uh, why do they do that? Oh, they are wind turbines companies. <coughs> so weather data, they have a pretty good idea about them, especially where they have, where they have wind turbines or where they want to plant wind turbines. Where the data you can imagine how important it is. Maybe I'll touch more about this in the, in the questions later. If you take all this, I can tell you if you're using your soil correctly, if you use it more, less maybe, because you're overusing it, we can do a lot of analysis out of this. But land is slightly too big to work on one machine. We have to work by parcels, and we have to distribute it, and we have to go in these data systems. That is, Distributed systems that store data, not 
the evolution of the business intelligence bigger and bigger and bigger machine as we had before. That's a, where the paradigm shift is. So if we talk about this, what is really the underlying, on all the examples I've just given, what is really the underlying principles? What are really the work that is going on? The work is really this. Ugly diagrams of data flows and software maps and connection of systems and uh, presentation layers of intermediary layers and stuff like that. Uh, they are not the Lord's diagrams, I'm not allowed. Um, every single one of them is purpose built, purpose built for something that is a specific target work <coughs> that we're going to provide and then register it. Um, a system to monitor uh, dispersion of people, a system to um, track use of cars, a system to track use of your bank account, a system to, other example, I talk at home usually, no? Okay, any others? Um, these systems obviously has to be done by experts because that's a big deal because that we need to have um, specialty applied, we need to have ethics applied, we need to have, um, you don't want a bug in, some in something that important as what we usually put in big data. There is one simple reason. The bigger the scale, if you have one problem, the bigger the number of people impacted. So that's why I keep it as a, a specialty team within Deloitte, and it's not yet widespread across everybody around. So that's really something that is critical and has to be managed. It's just not yet another piece of software. If you want to challenge that in the Q&A, let's have fun. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, why do we use <coughs> I mentioned I have an introduction, a certificate on introduction to artificial intelligence. Some of it is around what is called data science. So, big data is not data science. Let me say that again because it's just, when I see recruiters ask me, oh, I have a great data science role for you, I don't care. That's not my job. Data science is, remember what I said earlier about having, uh, stealing the way the humans work and trying to do something <coughs> that replicates it for one specific use of it and trying to uh, analyze that? That's to me the Goldsmith work. They're trying to find in the, in the data, in the, in the gold mine I'm providing them, then I guess that is really something important. That's why it's different. I'm providing a piece of gold and they're trying to find, a piece of earth really, where I know somewhere there's gold and they're trying to find it. So let me quickly give you some difference 
if you take some operational big data or some strategic big data, what can you do with it? Okay, let's replace the whole system you have with something cheaper we can do now, just the big expensive big machine, let's split it into small, big, smaller ones, and you can add some more when you need it. Fine. Benefit to IT company, just money saver. Fine. Operational, no big value to it. Still some problems. A split to inside, fine. Have more machines doing the work. Should be faster, right? We don't like to wait. We want to know, if I can tell you tomorrow if your train is coming in five or 10 minutes, yeah, less useful. Predictive analytics and machine learning is, is something that people love. Tell me what's going to happen tomorrow. <coughs> You're used to that for years, all of you. It's called the weather. You love to know what the weather like tomorrow, right? It's not all entirely right, but it works pretty well. So we all expect that. The oracles of the, of the ancient Greeks are just another version of that. We just want to know what's going to happen. And the new insight is something that we don't know. We just give it a machine, and, and they say something we didn't expect. They found something we didn't expect. We are not there entirely yet. We are kind of struggling with machine learning. So having a machine learn and be able to do something for us automatically. Let me expand a little that. What can you do with this stuff? You can recognize a pattern. So take a machine, take a picture of all of you, and the machine can tell me uh, where in the photograph there are humans. Because there's a, a pattern with roughly two eyes, a nose, ears, ears sometimes. Should be, you know, on the photograph, the beginning of the angle. I'm not saying you don't have ears. Uh, and then that's something they can pretty much do now. That's pretty safe. Uh, that's why if you drive an N25, they can recognize the letter of, uh, on your car and apply the fine to you when you on the congestion channel or something like that. Just assess pattern recognition. Recognize the patterns of letters, and then they can say, oh, that's an L. Then you can have, if you know what the normal is, you can find the anomaly, obviously. So you can find the pattern and see anything that is not the pattern. I should have only have machines here. Why do I have a person? So in a camera, in security camera, if you want nobody to cross, I don't know, across the channel through the tunnel, you can have a camera there, have someone, and identify where you have, and turn on the camera when someone is passing by. Anomaly detection. Interpolation, extrapolation is okay. I know. I know what this looks like, and you've seen that in movies a lot. What if I take this as a pattern and reapply it 10 times so I can fill an entire stadium of people visually? Just imagine that, but for the data of, are you going to pay your mortgage? Or are you going to do this or that? What is going to happen? What is the stuff? And the prediction is just another way of saying it. The, if, if the extrapolation is on the same time, but different things, Prediction is the same thing, the flavor. Okay, just very similar. That's why to me they are really different. If you look at them into that, into that way, it's obvious. You have to come here and know that, to, to know that. So I wanted to give you some examples of uh, things happening at selectors. Uh, obviously, 
examples I could think and slide with very small forms of uh, but I, I selected some some element that can be a really big game changer for me just like again um, virtual humans we doing tests on people or drugs to save people can we model we have a model of the drugs already that's why we built the drug in the first place can we have a model of the people and virtually test the drug on virtual people, we will not kill anybody. And have great drugs that we know exactly how they work on the longer term because longer term on the machine can be just 10 minutes or 10 hours. If it's 10 days, I'm okay with that. Still not, nobody killed or nobody injured. Uh, I remember a few months ago, horrible, horrible stuff happening in a, in a drug trial in France. Uh, seven people just brain dead, stuff like that, because they didn't expect it. Virtual human, I'd love that. I'd love that. Uh, and by the way, also, if I can have all the data on you, madam, for instance, uh, and if you have uh, something you need a, a specific cure for, I don't say you do. If you need something for, you need a specific cure for, if I have all the data about you, I may be able to build a, a specific cure for you only. That's what I mean by personalized personalized meditation. That's big data because just imagine the number of cells in the body and the amount of data a cell produces a second. That's what I'm talking about. In the public sector, uh, oh yeah, uh, personal favorite for every petrol head in the room. Where do I park? Can I have a measure of every single parking lot, every single parking space in this town and have it on, the, on an app so I can actually know where I should park close to this place. Love that. That's a lot of big data because real time I need to have fair, fair amount of parking space measured about their availability. Just yes, no, but it's real time. It's a lot, still big data problem. Uh, yes, I'll put that one for, for the six moments in the room. I know they will be. Plagiarism. If I can measure all the content I can, uh, just uh, put everything in there, I can take the stuff you, you're supposed to have written and test. Do you actually write this or not? I know that's um, something people don't like. Uh, I know some universities already do that. It's already working. <coughs> there are some software around doing that, so kids, try it. Good luck. And uh, for all of us, uh, there is something. So when I was saying earlier that I was doing uh, customer analytics, that's what I mean. I mean, analyzing what people are trying to do on the website, clicking, buying, searching, and trying to say, okay, stop showing an ad about travel uh, in, into uh, Morocco, this person looks for red boots, stop it. And if they want this, just don't show random ads, random selection of just for you that are completely irrelevant and more annoying than anything else. And so many uh, channels are doing that. If you do that on one channel, it's one thing. If all your interaction to one brand are exactly the same and are consistent, that's something that is uh, as great value on the market. More methods are, yes. But as a, a big value on the market, because uh, the, the, the use of a brand is something very important for companies. And uh, a corollary of this is the real-time offers. 
um, the spot offers that are once again especially for you but no they're not they're just you know packet of things we're offering this week what is the more likely or what is randomly the one they're going to offer this person let's change that uh, because uh, this is actually uh, again just annoying people and hurting the companies and that's not what we want to do really. so for the students here uh, even if you don't study computer science or engineering or anything related to what I, what I studied myself, fine. Be knowledgeable enough of what's in there so that uh, when the time comes uh, about doing a selection tomorrow about what you want to do uh, as a career, as a human being, as a citizen, you know exactly how it works and be consistent enough with it. That would be my advice. And uh, being part of the woman in tech of Deloitte, please, ladies, come in. We need another view of the male wearing a bird and bold as we have now. <laughs> Look at what it's done to me. So we need another view because I talked three times about ethics. Three times means it's important. Uh, we need all the views. We don't need this, the, the same male view of the technology. That's not true. It's not geeky. It's geeky if you want to dive deep dive in it. That's fine. You, you do it if you want to. Not all my colleagues are investing as much time as I do in going deep into the, the technology. And they're perfectly great professionals because they do very well what they do. And then on the weekend, they have a life. They don't do talks about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so please, ladies, again, I say it once, once time. For, for anybody who has a business here, I would say that, you know, first, please, stop leaking out data everywhere. <laughs> it's annoying. And, and when, I see, when I see websites, when I can see on the URL up there, on the address, stuff I could modify myself and access the database, I'm annoyed. That's not something I want. So please sort out the data, make sure the quality is there. Don't call me Adrian with an A. It's annoying. That's not my name. I hate that. Um, so that's you know that's things. We please do that, and then try to find what you can do with this. We can help you, of course. That might sell stock. Um, we can help you find what's the value in there, what we can do with it. But honestly, you should know well enough your business to have an idea about that. Okay. And I've seen some uh, industrial companies starting to turn around and say, okay, we're building engines, fine, let's use that engine as a platform for our data business that should be our business. Yes, we're selling this at cost. That's not where we do the money. You know, that's something we can do. And be very careful with what is your data partner. Uh, in your business because it's important. Did I say that? <laughs> uh, I, I think I did. So yes, a lot. A lot of demand, obviously. That's it for the slideware. And uh, I let you digest all I said for some time. <laughs> and then you can fire up with questions. I'm very happy to take them. I think we have, yeah. We have some still some time. Yes. 
looking at your uh, gold miner, goldsmith uh, analogy, <coughs> um, you work for a consultancy, so I'm interested that I would expect goldsmith to be coming up with insights into the companies. Can you talk about when you're gold mining, where the most interesting untapped sources are? Untapped? Yeah. Fully Not really. Uh, there are a lot of, well, there are some creepy ones that are fairly untapped. Like, uh, who in the room is, is okay to have, uh, and that's true, true problem, who is okay in the room to have uh, a bracelet or something to measure your health so you can modify your premium for your health insurance or your life insurance? Mm -hmm. Raise your hand if you're happy to do that. <laughs> so you have 3% in the room that are ready to give this kind of data. I'm not. I'm, fine. I'm, I'm with 99% of the room. I, I found it creepy. So some are creepy, so they're not tapped or try to tap because it's, you know, uh, maybe cheap or something like that. Um, some data are very complex to get. And data sourcing is a very complicated problem. So um, the user, once it's digitized, go for it. Let's, let's have fun and let's have all our knowledge and experience and do it again once more time for something entirely different that is exciting. Do you have the data in the first place? And that's for some places, for some industries, a real problem. So fully untapped, it's just they don't exist yet at digitalized level. We have a very good bus system in Cambridge and signs that tell us about buses that are meant to arrive. Quite often, in fact, more often than I would like, they, they're, they're apparently arriving and they just disappear. Yeah. <laughs> My problem with that is that it starts making me distrust the data. And I guess that's not what you want. So. Let me do again what I've done in this talk and tell you what's behind the landscape. I've not built that system, so I can't tell you what's in there definitely, but I can tell you what I infer from what I see. You have data about the position of the, of the, of the bus. You have data of the, where you are. You have data on the, on the path it should take. So you know the distance, and you know the max speed of the, of the, of the bus. So we can infer, infer, the time it will take. You have no data on, is there a red light in the middle? Is there a car in the middle? Is there anything in the middle that will re re um, uh, make this time wrong or utterly wrong? And what you are experiencing in Cambridge, I've seen it through in London, in Paris, in Lyon, in Marseille, in Rome, or in Rome. Uh, that's it. That's the problem of the prediction. It's only a prediction. Are you complaining about the weather being wrong sometime? Yes, the same, the same way, I'd say. And you, do you distress weather? Sometime, yes. And uh, it's really true for the next three hours, and then the, the trust on the, on the weather should go down until one day, and the five-day one, just, just you know, dies, and, you'll do, and you have a, a good prediction as well. sharing of, or licensing of, uh, of data, people's data, <coughs> by companies, uh, whether we want them to or not. Okay, so disclaimer, I'm currently working on a project 
that has a strong in impact on customer data worldwide. So I'm fully aware of the restrictions some countries have. Uh, two kind of restriction, roughly, or you, the data in this country can't get out of the country, or the data in this country can go anywhere else in the world as long as it doesn't leave your company. So you give your data to, I don't know, uh, travel agency that have footprint around the world, as long as they don't mix it with external data, that's fine. There is a problem and I can't comment, but that's just opinion. It's not fact, and that's disturbing me. So I'm, I should caveat this. Um, is the data is the data about me me? If it's me, then I have a right to control it. That's me. As a democracy, I've there's a best corpus in this country. That's me. I control it. Fine. If it's just not me, like the sweat of me, it's just not something we care about. And if anybody is taking some piece of my sweat, I don't care. You see what I mean? Anonymized data, yeah. Uh, okay, anonymized data is something maybe different because we've, we, we've been doing that. The census we do every 10 years or something like that in, every, in some countries. It's something like this. It's anonymized, and we just have what number of men, women, people by age, stuff like that. That's useful. Nobody feels intrusion of this. Uh, that's a real question, uh, and and I think the question to to me the question is: Is this data me or not? As long as we don't answer that, I think we will still tr struggle about uh, about having a clear view around the world about what is data privacy. But that's definitely something that I, I've seen built in in every single system we built. There's always something, oh yeah, but, but this one you shouldn't share because at least regulation is very, very working on this. As a businessman, I want a result. And I deduce that I need, yes, and I deduce that I need a a gold miner, mm -hmm. and I need a goldsmith. <coughs> Can they be ever combined in the same person, or is this just impossible? In my team, so that in, in, in the light analytics, we have two different teams: one for data scientists called advanced analytics, and one for big data called big data. And I know one person that is a very good data scientist that can understand well enough what I'm doing. It's like you're asking, can, can Jockey be a good blacksmith? They're still working around ores, but they are so interestingly different. Let me give you, okay, when I'm doing recruitment, and I said we are hiring, so I've done a lot. When I'm doing recruitment, what I'm looking for, for a big data person, I'm looking for someone that is a good engineer, uh, that is, um, no, understand pretty well the data, and understand the concept of the distributed systems. That's what I'm looking for. If you want to apply now, you know. <coughs> if I'm, if you follow me a data scientist, because they've made mistakes, so they bring me data scientists saying, oh, I've been data person for you. What I'm looking for, someone that knows very well statistics, 
because that's how I'm going to do some prediction or some analysis. Know very well some coding software, programming languages, so they can take these stats, algorithm, and build them to analyze the data. And someone understands very well the business, so that the model they are going to build is actually relevant to you, the businessman. So can they be the same person? You're asking a lot. You're asking more than I can put on one hand. We can make we, we can make it two. It works with two different kinds. Of <laughs> and for now, it, it works. I mean, it's uh, by experience it works. If we could make it three, then for me, I can say more people. But that's not that's not the way it works. They're just two different mindsets. We work very well together. That's fine. They, they know how to work with us, and we know how to, what they want to to, to get. Yes. Um, one question. You, you talk about all this big data stuff, like. Um, it's done, like it's quite a mature technology and the technology readiness levels are, are quite high, a lot of the problems are solved. Moving forward, do you see any big game changes? Do you see any disruptive technologies? Do you see it being mixed up or do you see the same techniques just simply being applied so many times that society will grow? <coughs> so, <coughs> if I may, I'm really technical for a minute. Um, big data is here, so that's why I'm saying it's mature. It's on the market, some people ask me to do it, so, and, and I'm talking about risk averse people, banks and insurances. So, yes, it's fairly mature. Why I don't see any game changer anytime soon? Big data is blocked by one thing only. And you'll see when I say what it is, yeah, that's a pretty strong one. What's preventing you of doing something faster, better, stronger with more machines? They need to be coordinated to act as one, as a swarm working together, okay? That limitation of coordination is a speed they can't do it. We are at the speed of light now. Can you go faster? Not easily. <laughs> Not easily, exactly. <laughs> you can't go easily faster than the speed of light. That's the problem we have now. Unless we can resolve this, and I don't see any result very proving enough now, that you know, don't go any faster than light, or, so we can't use them. Okay, uh, for now, we're stuck with the speed of light. That makes some very strong implication on the theory of it. And I know in this university, 200 people are working on the topic. By the way, they're mixing big data and data science. Uh, dear comment. Um, then, as, as long as this is not solved, I, I can't see a, a game changer of it. We are stuck with physics now. Like the, like the CPUs of your computer, the processing power can't go get smaller because now we are too close to an atom and uh, it's not working the way we expect anymore because it's not. Too, too small. There was a question, yes? Lots of talk about data. Um, yeah, that's my topic, yeah. <laughs> Can you make the distinction between structured data and unstructured data? Okay, so for everybody, what we call structured data is a database where every attribute of the data is split down and categorized clearly. So what we call the record. Um, so I, I, <coughs> I take one element of this and I can quickly address a bit of it. What we call unstructured is a text where I don't know exactly what you're talking about. There's, there's a, a human element in it. 
So that's what we call unstructured, because it's not software structured. Okay? Your text may be very well structured, it's not software structured. Okay. Um, the difference between the two, I'm working with my colleagues of content management. They do entirely unstructured data. And uh, so far, the use of unstructured data, uh, like the Twitter feeds, for instance, which is a, some, uh, an example everybody loves and I hate because it's meaningless. Uh, <coughs> what do they do with it? To you need first to structure the data to be able to do anything with it. And this is a part of data science. That's extrapolation. I can extrapolate this text meaning that. Then I can use this meaning and do something with it. This is called natural language processing. This is not a solved problem. Why humans? You can't solve humans. <laughs> you can't solve the way we speak. We can't solve, because tomorrow, a French guy in a talk will invent a word, and you will not know as a machine what it means. People in the room may infer before, because of the context, etc. The machine will have a hard time doing that. So you have data science to prepare data for big data, to give data back to data science. And as we said, each time you infer, you have a problem. So far, when you speak on the phone and the machine is answering you, that's natural language processing as well. And we all notice it doesn't work all the time perfectly well. It's really 95% of what you say really understood. The rest 5%. It's fine. It's fine? Good. Could you share your view on automation of, say, data scientists work? Good luck with that. That's <laughs> Like, for example, um, automatic statistician. Okay. How do you expect? Okay, the, the, maybe I should give a stem of the question, what I think is a stem of the question. We have a hard time finding data scientists because they need to have technology, software, statistics, software, and business knowledge. That's a lot. And which university is giving a course on the three of them? Usually they're separate. You're a geek, nerd, statistician, and a business person that can actually talk to people? Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> I've, you know, yesterday morning, I've, I've, heard, I've met a very good statistician. I can't hire her as a, as a business person. That, that just don't work. <laughs> but, um, so, can you automate this work? Fine, so you're telling me, let's find a model of someone that can build any model. So why don't I use this in the first place if he can infer anything? Why should I use a model to, to build something, why should I use something generalistic that can infer anything? To infer only something can infer one thing. What? I should use this generalistic, wonderful machine that can do anything. That's, by the way, the dream of analog lace and Schombach. Analytic machine that can solve every problem. If I can do that, I just get rid of all that scientists and use that piece of software and know it. That's why I say good luck with that. Because you need to model the entire universe in that software for it to be able to uh, a generalistic machine. Past, present, and future. Uh, 
if you can do that, I don't have any software machine that can compute with that words. Big data generally seems to be collected by big organizations, like, to some extent. And startups. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. But most of those are paid by big organizations to do it, because of the resources required to collect by So, I suppose I've really got two questions. One is how the small organizations access it. And the second, which goes with that, Small organizations have difficulty accessing it. Is big data driving our society towards monopolies based on access to big data? Very good question. Very good question. So, can I make one question out of this? As some people say, if data is a new petrol and you need big drilling to access this petrol, are we going to, are we by transferring into this programmable economy and this knowledge-based uh, society, are we moving uh, towards an uh, oligopoly of these people, uh, artists? And oligopoly people, that's fine. We are. Are we just shifting oligopoly? Um, that's a good question. And that ties to the question that gentleman was asking earlier. Who owns the data? Is the data about you and you? Then you're saying that we are basically becoming slaves because they own us, because my data is me. If my data is not me, then they have the right to do it. That's the first part of my answer. Second part of my answer would be, what prevents you to build it? It's not that big a problem. The, the good thing with big data is you can start small. I can give you a, I won't give you the name, but I know an insurance, okay? They have obviously a huge amount of data, right? And they are starting their big data concept, a big data lake. Oh, God, have mercy on me, not that. I want to know what it is like that. And they put in this huge amount of space for data, they put actually the size of my laptop of data. So you can start small and gather the data all the time. That's why startup can do it. That's why if you want to do it, uh, you are the, you have Fitbit, right? I have. Okay, this gentleman is collecting data about himself every day. He's giving Fitbit voluntarily, but he can also keep it and have this data and do it, and maybe have the data for this whole family and do something with it. Big data is distributed. You can have start with a small amount, small investment of one machine then two when the first one is full, then three when the first two are small. That, that's and then you can process it, but how do you capture it in the first place? The capture is, is always the same question. There's so many things that are already digitalized. Of course, if you are a big organization, if you are, I don't know, a railway company, uh, any kind of transportation, I like this example because there are swarms of stuff going around and every position can be data. Of course, you have an advantage over me, which is starting with nothing. But that's only an advantage. What prevents you of starting your own and have control of, about the data you care about? You may care less about the position of the signaling system just north of Northampton, that you care about 
your life, your physical science. So nobody can store, okay, let's solve one problem. Nobody can store everything. The, the limitation we have, as I said, by speed of light prevents, there is a limit of the, what we can process in a reasonable amount of time. We can in, in, increase what we consider as reasonable, but there's a limitation there. So as the number of human augment, this limitation is always closer. And the oligopoly has a, has a blockage. I'm not saying it won't happen, but I'm saying by just the sheer amount of people increasing, this is becoming less and less probable. My opinion. Yes, I wanted to talk about data storage. Can you speak up a little, please? I want to talk about data storage. Yes. I want to ask you about the cloud and what exactly <coughs> is the cloud? Where it, it is, does the cloud have a location? And how secure is the cloud? And when we put our data on the cloud, do we still own that data? Okay, I will use that. That's a very good question because I, uh, I hear so many people, okay, let me start from the beginning. When I started my startup, I had very few data and I had very few money, which is very well because I don't have enough money to store a lot of data. I started with what? What I call a cloud. What I call a cloud is also known as infrastructure as a service. You rent machines that are physical, so they have to have a location. So myth number one, yes, a cloud has a location. Of course it does. It may be duplicated or replicated into many locations, but they're somewhere in the world. They're not in space. Well, you can't get something out of space and time. So far, anything? No? Okay. We can't get anything out of space and time. So it has to have a space and time. The machines are somewhere, the data is in the machine. That's the first thing. So a cloud has a location. And don't be mistaken, regulators know that. And when the data is stored in a data center in the UK, you can't send it to anywhere that is not, that doesn't have an agreement with the UK government. Okay? Countries like Switzerland, Luxembourg, just say, if your data is in a data center in Switzerland, it stays there. To, to your question earlier, it stays there. You can't get this data out. So if you're a Swiss citizen, you are by law obliged to put your data in a Swiss data center. In a Swiss, that doesn't, data center is a building where you put thousands, sorry, tens of thousands of machines together to make sure that they are all controlled uh, physically and uh, managed properly. So when people talk about cloud, they talk about, it's like talking about your laptop, just talking about the hard disk drive. There's also some computing power out of it. So the cloud, first, initially, when I first heard about it, when was it, 10 years ago? 10 years ago. <coughs> was, you have a machine, oh, lucky one. You have a machine, can everybody see this, no? Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll do it higher. You have a machine here, your machine there, this is hidden, okay? I can access that. I don't care what they are. 
They can exchange the machine on my back. They manage it. I don't care about it. To me, I just know I have machines somewhere. I pay by the hour. When I don't need them anymore, trash them. And take orders when I have more money and I want to manage more data. That's the cloud. Now, it has processing power and storage. So files and a CPU, basically. Memory, okay, yeah. Okay, so I have these two stuff. That's what I buy when I buy a machine. Oh, these are servers, there's no screen. Okay, you have, you have access to the network, everything is done by a central console. It's industry, right? So if I have that, and these are in a country, okay, I don't have red in there, but let's say France. <laughs> Do I have red in there? <laughs> Thank you. So let's say they're in France. There's a big data center in north of France because it's, it's very well connected to the US, by the way. So these are physically somewhere in France, for example. Now, you access it. You are somewhere in the world, not necessarily in France. Okay? That's you. You access these. How do you access it? Through the internet. How people, since, when was the first time I was on the internet? 1990. <coughs> since 1990, I've seen uh, software architecture diagrams showing the internet exactly the way we all understand it. A fuzzy cloud. So they've always been drawing physically a cloud on the diagrams showing the way that it was connected because we don't have a clue where it goes in the meantime. It's a very complex mesh of network stuff. Only some network people in the world understand, really. So you connect it to that. And this is connected to that. That's where the cloud word comes from. That's just it. What you really are doing is exactly what you are doing with your phone. You pick up your phone, you connect to a central, this central connects you to another machine somewhere, and this, on the other side of this machine, there's someone you can talk to. You have a cloud in the middle, okay? What people have, have been doing for 10 years with cloud computing is use it as quick, easy, cheap way to have computing. The use of the cloud, the way most of us use now, is just forget about the computing, Take about the storage, because that's something we all understand. My data is somewhere. They store it for me. They manage it for me. OK? Is it clear? OK. The cloud is just a metaphor, as you can expect. It's not really balloons going in there. It's just using the, the, the terms we, we, we're using. And then that's it. That was my technical right. bit. End of story. Okay. Yes. Uh, how do you protect big data? Is it any difference to protect a small amount of data? The tools are different, obviously, but the regulation are the same. We we don't. Yeah. Okay. I think one or two more questions. Uh, um, we um, we use different software, obviously, because that's been adapted to the technicality of it. Uh, the laws are the same. So. Um, if Switzerland says you can't share data outside of the country, 
well, big data or not big data, I can't do anything. The law is the law. Okay, so that's one thing. The technicalities of the DAO obviously different, but we're using decades of, of uh, learning of how you do good security because of the impact you have on more people, we are flying from, from the start. We, we don't learn, we, we know already. And uh, in the slide you've seen there was a bottom left cyber. Okay, these guys in Deloitte are doing security as a living. I call them, be like, did the stuff I installed right? Is it correct? Because the rest I can do it, but that you should check. And then they check. And the client is usually happy to pay the extra for them. We don't like leaks, even at Weatherspoons. Oh yeah, your account at Weatherspoons what is on the internet since two months. So Adrian, we're going to take the last question. Last question, where is it? Where is it? Yes. Gentlemen. There's been a lot in the media about AlphaGo beating World Champions Go. Uh, yes. And it used big data to learn how to play the game, essentially. Let me correct you. Data science. Do, do, you see a, do you see a future in using big data and creating more complex efforts to do different tasks? I was expecting the good for four years since uh, GeoParty 4. <coughs> So <coughs> it's just on the diagram I was showing about understand better the way a human works and try to replicate it to make some difficult uh, and boring tasks, repeat, uh, repetitive tasks, repeated by a machine that is very good at repeating. And us concentrating on the creativity of it. That's where I see a good trend, a very big trend. For now, and that was on the news a year ago, a year ago, we started having some basic factual news, reporter news, printed on papers, written by machines. That's the same. That's repetitive factual news that you, nobody wants to write. And we keep the journalists to something with higher value, an opinion, something of creativity. Can machine do creativity? So for now, no. I don't expect them to be creative anytime soon. If they do, and they manage our business, then we can focus on something that is more human. Art, I would say. Do I see anything going there so far? No. Go is a game. And it's complex and does very good patterns that we can then reuse in business. Like Geopardy business, it's now an offer IBM is doing. And I see on the market, and some people ask me, can we use part of this system to do this and that? <coughs> Once automatically on the phone for you. That's, that's why they, all this is used as, all these forefront of new uh, achievements are used to usually build down to something that can, they can sell. It's Google after, after all, that is behind this, on the Go Challenge. And they want to sell something at the end, a piece of technology they want to reuse every day. So it really all goes out to Thank you very much. Thank you, Adrian. Thank you very much. Thank you.